and welcome to the Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast. I'm your announcer, Max. Today is a fun one for you folks. We have the Jimmy really? Stewart classic, Alfred Hitchcock movie here, starring Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. It's Vertigo. Why are we all sideways? <laughs> okay, here, this one here for you. You're having a good old time. And, uh, you know, if you've ever heard this podcast before, here in Movie Theater Time Machine, we have a celebration of film when it was on film, and we keep it real to real. So, we'll turn it over to Kaz, Nick, Dan, and Bob, and yeah, yeah, you have yourself a good time, and enjoy the show. Hey, this is Kaz, and it's a brassiere. You know about those things. Hi, I'm Nick, and I can look up, I can look down, I can look up, and I can look down, I can look up, and I fall down. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is Bob. Guys, Jimmy Stewart's eyes, aren't they mesmerizing, guys? Those beautiful blue, sparkling eyes. I mean, I feel like I could have stared for a full hour while he drove around with those Beautiful eyes, you know? It's like, hey, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy could, could you blink? Because blinking shows that you're human. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm Dan, and you want to know something? I don't think Mozart's going to help at all. <laughs> Let us pray for our lives. Mozart won't help any of us. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, did you mention this is 1958? This is 1958. The end Blazingly of our, colorful. Yeah, the end of our detective month here, ending it with the... Actually, Bob's pick. Yep. Yeah. 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 Also a TV time machine afterwards. Mm. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. my pick. Not my pick. Yeah. Check <laughs> your catcher of choice here. We have a TV time machine episode, and we will we'll tell them what we're covering later. But yeah. check that out too. It was a. Uh, it was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely a thing. But now back to Vertigo. Yes. Uh, I. I really want to like Jimmy Stewart and everything because it's just. It's the. I think the fourth one we've done. I think Harvey, so. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh, yeah. There was one other I can't remember in this. Oh. I think. Bedtime for Bonzo. He was the monkey. What? <laughs> no. Now, Jimmy Stewart is likable yeah. in most everything he's in. Yeah. But hey, doesn't it show some range that he could play well, a creepy well, weirdo in well, this yeah, one? Well, th- yeah. This was like the exception. It's, uh, it's the proof. It's like... It's like the Truman Show or Stranger Than Fiction, showing that you know, you know, for instance, Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell actually can act. Right. They don't just scream and run around on fire in their underwear. So. But um, Stuart was wasn't, a psychopath. He wasn't. But they were comedians before. That's kind of different. Well, yeah, but it's, it's the, but it's the same kind of idea. J- Jimmy Stewart went from the wholesome, everybody loves him guy to holy crap, you're creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I, also, that was motivated creepiness, all right? True, so true. The man what, didn't go he was creepy sympathetic from at uh, first. step one. It was like, there was, there was a psychological well, he, he reasoning wasn't, or subconscious He wasn't far off because he went off the deep end fast. Yeah. He was in an asylum for like a year in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> he was devastated by that that character's... Do we, can we reveal? Yeah, how we... Yeah, we're going to roll through it, but I mean, it's just... We don't want to do, like, scene by scene. We're not going to go really just big scene by scene, but it just kind of go through the uh, bits and highlights. It's kind of like this movie feels a lot different after the halfway point. Yeah. Can I ask, though, like, can I get a quick, like, read on the room? How many times did we actually watch the movie? Or have you seen the movie prior to? Or was this your first time watching... What are we? What are we talking here? Give me I, I think I might have saw it a long time ago, but I don't. I didn't really remember. So. I, 
Yeah, I Countess never, is number one for me. I'm not I judging by ass. I never saw it. Okay. I yeah. vaguely remember bits and pieces. I may have seen yeah. some right. of it in the past, but yeah. like actually seeing the whole thing through first time was yesterday. All right, so we're relatively all new. So the thing with the Hitchcock movie, guys, is What about you? I've watched most of his catalog over my lifetime. <laughs> so How many times? Oh, yeah. There was a point, uh, TCM has had movie marathons, stars, oh no, sorry, I can't name, oh yeah, the movie channels now, they actually have a lot of the films on demand, so I've been watching them nice. as they pop up on demand, um, but no, I've actually watched his catalog over years, and the thing with Hitchcock is you, you have to, you're going to watch his movie the first time, and you're going to go, WTF. And then you're going to watch it again and go, oh, I, I didn't notice that. Then maybe you'll say, maybe I should watch it a third time. You're going to go, oh. And you can do that over the course of your lifetime, weeks to months, whatever. And each time you revisit his films, you're going to go back and say, oh, my God, I did not notice that element. Because the thing about Hitchcock is that there's so, it's, like, there, it's like a piece of art. And there's so much going on that we're only looking at the surface of it just to get the plot of it. I've when you go back... It blows your mind because, guys, I literally, like, started after I watched it, I started reading up on stuff, and I watched the movie about three and a half times, I think, over the course of the week because wow. my mind was like, holy shit, I didn't pick up on that. And so by the time I get oh. to you today, I'm like, wow. Like, that's why, like, it is literally, this movie, I'm sorry, it is a masterpiece. It, it dethroned... Oh, don't say sorry, because you might have got something we never get. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just... I it's a movie it you really have to watch good. multiple times. It was... It dethroned Citizen came back in 2012. It's like the top 100 movie, like number one rated since 2012. I mean, it's come a long way. I mean, initially, when this film came out, it got mixed reviews because people didn't like it. And like you guys feel, the first hour or so, you're like, Jesus, why is he driving so goddamn long? <laughs> it's in, it, but there's a reasoning. Like, the book to that it was based on... Up. To set up the plot. Uh, obsession? Yeah. An atmosphere? Well, that I mean, and we also have to consider, guys, the reason I picked it was the theme is Detective Month. He's a detective. Yeah. This is what he does. So yeah. he's going to drive around and observe. And when was... you get into the mindset of Hitchcock... You're going to see a detective doing detective work, not like okay. a Sherlock Jr. or a, what's the other one, the, uh, Harry, Dirty Harry just like shooting the black people up and left to right saying and saying a cool line afterwards. You know, this is like genuine noir-based detective film. You know? Okay. Okay. So. Damn, you should, have, point. you should have been right. here for that other movie we did uh before Dirty Double Harry. Indemnity. Oh, I watched that. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> okay, at least we're not completely... No, well, you guys were on, on point with that. Okay. Yeah, no, counterpoint, though. Go ahead. Go for it. I agree... Well, I agree with you that this movie could, you know, be art... Could be art, you know... It's art, art I suppose. Yeah. It's an art film. Yeah. I know it's gotten... Let's get our research jokes People love it. Oh, but David, yeah. I can also... Uh, I'm gonna... I'm gonna Air on the side of if the movie doesn't grab you the first time, though, watching it two, three more times to pick up on stuff could feel like a chore. Now, that's your I like, respect. I like I, Alf that. I like Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. I've seen Bur I've seen the Birds. I've seen Psycho. The I've birds. seen a few others. Hey, he got a TV show too. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen stuff that he's done, and he is he is easily one of the best directors to have ever graced the, the silver screen. But this particular movie, I. I don't know. The, like the 
I definitely liked the back half of the movie better than the first half, and the last ten minutes when things actually happened was great. <laughs> yeah. I kind of like the... Well, not the slowness exactly. I mean, I, but I liked the idea of the... What, is she possessed, or does she think she's oh, yeah. this somebody mo- <laughs> from the past? That, that was kind of cool. This movie turned towards demon possession real fast. Yes! <laughs> and I just want to add something yeah. similar to what you both are saying. Um, I personally find that most things I like better the second time I see them. Not that I necessarily think that everyone should go out and watch everything twice or more just because people say you should. It depends on what kind of viewer you are. If you're into that, then that's cool. If you think, like Dan, it should grab you instantly, that's also legit. Oh, not even yeah. so much instantly. Just well, within, yeah. like, w- within the first showing, it, there should be... If, if a movie's supposed to be this good, there should be more positive than negative in the first showing. And for me, anyway, the negative kind of outweighed it. Because I'm trying to watch it last night, and I'm just, like, slumped in my chair going, I don't care. Do something. Were you really tired? Oh, wait. And now, he's, and now, now there's cheating happening. Now, we, we learn later it's not really cheating because of reasons, but... There was cheating happening, and we know how I feel about that kind of thing. It's just like, oh, right. great. Fuck you, Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck you, you really right like in the ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, again, you know, again with all this shit. And, you know, at the time of recording this, uh, the ninth Quentin Tarantino film is out. Uh, the Hollywood. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. And, you know, or I can see what Bob's saying because... Tarantino flicks, you know, there's one of there's some that grab instantaneously, mm-hmm. but you know, I can see what you're saying though, Dan. It's like you, there has to be some good out there to come back and then want to see it again because some of like some flicks he has just doesn't hit right away, and you're like, what the yeah. flying hell was yeah. that? And go watch it again, like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Res- that grabs you right from the get. Yeah, from and I know I'm probably yeah. gonna catch guff for this, but for me. Kill Bill didn't really grab me at the beginning. I still haven't no, seen the it, second part. Honestly, it like would be Kill like Bill. I mean, we were. I was talking about that with my sister yesterday. It's like she's she felt the same way, and I feel I feel like that's one of the higher ranking ones. Oh, it's a yeah, good movie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; it just didn't yeah. grab me the way but that like for, Pulp Fiction. But did. for me personally, like I grew up with all the kung fu films. And, and I saw that, that so and it's yeah, like okay. that was the genre that I was perfectly comfortable with. Right. And, that, and I saw and the beats sense. and saw everything. I'm like, oh, cool! I got to see this. Yeah. And you know, just for me, that that's where it, it lies. But others, it's like hey, Hitchcock. I could see your, I could see your point though. With Hitchcock, it's like now thinking what you're saying, and I was just replaying some of the movie back in my mind, like knowing that there's what the second half brings. Yeah, it's like okay, then I'll go back and you know maybe. Possibly doesn't see what's maybe like, there's yeah, something I'm, different. Well, uh, my rental of it has expired, but at some mm. point I may end up going back and watching it, like knowing what's I'd coming. I'd be willing to. It's like I've, I've been listening to uh, a podcast uh, again. Like it was, it was a real play D and D podcast. I mm. listened to it through the first time by myself, and now I'm listening to it again with Joss. Yeah. And like I'm picking up on all the little shit that's that popped up that right. I didn't realize the first time around. So. I mean, I can conceivably do the same thing with this movie, knowing the back at the the back half and what it is. It's just the stuff that Madeline, in quotations, Madeline was doing with the being someone else, and Madeline's not here, and this and that. Her fugue state. I had an ex like that. 
Oh. I have had very similar conversations to what happened in this movie. Uh, Are you also a detective? No. I was not Aww. a detective. I was nowhere near Redwoods. And but but I still it was in my grandparents' driveway. I had a really strange conversation with someone who wasn't who was my girlfriend, but wasn't because she wasn't home at the time. It oh. just it, it could, uh, I guess you could call it a little bit of PTSD. I saw this and I'm just oh. like, oh no, I've had these conversations. Mm. No. <laughs> also, in that scene when they're in the woods, it was one thing where I was kind of tired. I'm watching this and they're like, there's like the dates of like when they cut down the trees, yeah. and I thought about it. It's like, oh, this 900 AD. I'm like. How did they know? Yeah, <laughs> like, this, this is just an educated guess right here. <laughs> yeah. It corresponds. I'm like, oh yeah. How did? Wait, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Isn't it like one ring for every decade or every year or something? I thought it was supposed to be like every year, every five years or something. I, I can look that up. It's different tree. Uh, it's different trees, different rings. It's not. Yeah. It's not uh, a uniform thing. I think. So don't but, um, we all know the golden rule is one ring to rule them all. So. <laughs> and in the darkness to find them. Also, <laughs> fires can leave scars. It's still yeah, on trees. one. That's true, yeah. That's, that's, that's true. I mean, this... The points of it, I mean, where we just kind of roll through some of it and... Yeah, don't get me wrong. This is... It, it has intriguing wrong. ideas yeah. and stuff. It's just... Sometimes it's... You notice there's a lot of driving, and so maybe if you're tired, you might not want to watch it if you're not into that. But I, I don't, spent the entire day driving, so I'm just like, I don't oh, think look, I minded more cars. that much. Oh, God. <laughs> and I know it's establishing shots. I know it's like, you know, you gotta put this, there, but the establishing shot goes just a little too long. Mm. I was kind of intrigued by seeing 1958 in like insanely bright color. It, yeah. So I start yeah. looking around the background. Well, when I when I signs. started the movie, it, uh, the the Paramount logo or was it Paramount? Mm -hmm. Paramount yeah. kill, it was in straight up black and white. I'm like, okay, it's going to be a black and white like movie, and then just bam, color. I'm like, all right then. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that restaurant was so fucking red. Oh my god! I pictured that was what the inside of a genie's lamp looks yeah. like. That is not a soothing restaurant. All right, and that yeah. lady's green dress. She loved green. I, I'm loving all your points, guys, because yeah. it tells me that you're you are interested in into the film. The thing with Hitchcock is that you cannot watch his movies and be like half dead or half asleep because you're literally going to overlook uh, most of the plot. And that applies to like oh, Jesus. We I could sit and talk with you guys. We could have a whole show just on movies that I couldn't figure this out for the life of me because of X Y Z. And the problem is there are movies that directors put out there. It's not just Hitchcock. Maybe it is because he was part of that whole start of it. But there are movies where the plot is so involved where it's like you have to have your undivided attention from the start to the finish because mm -hmm. if you don't, you're going to miss some key thing. And right. you, you can go down a list of directors over the years that have put out those kind of movies. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Jeez, we can I just can make a whole... I can name 20 of them. make a whole show just do head, it, yeah. you know? But that, yeah. that's what it is with Hitchcock. So yeah. you, you have to really go into it with your full, your full mind ready for it, so... Yeah, and that's all I can tell you with that. Yeah, and, yeah, so. and I'll give you that. I wasn't one hundred percent into the, the movie at that yeah. point. I had mm -hmm. had a rough day at work, and it's and okay. I was tired. It's okay. Yeah, but still, I just it just didn't grab me. It yeah, just, like the like I said, I like the second half better than the first half. Yeah, like knowing that 
Knowing what I know at the end, the first half wouldn't be quite so bad at this point. Right. But I'm just... The, the, the whole thing... Just... Okay. The... I guess... Uh, I, the Reader's Digest version. Guy's a detective. Try... Uh, uh, he's chasing a criminal or someone across rooftops. Discovers he has acrophobia, and because of that, he can't help another cop who falls off a roof and I dies, right? I think he right? got acrophobia because of <clears throat> Because the of the situation, oh, yeah. Because yeah, he's dangling, yeah. and the cop's so, like, yeah. give me your hand! Yeah, it, it was the PTSD. That's what yeah, like, that, so like, yeah, so like, yeah. a year yeah. or so yeah. later or something like that, he's he's retired from being a detective, yeah. gets contacted by an old college friend who wants him to follow his wife because he believes his wife is, is demon-possessed. Yeah. And at that point, I went, Hold on, demons? I what? thought it was more like ghost-possessed. Or like, possessed by something. Yeah. We went into possession. It's like, that happened fast. Okay? <laughs> See, that kind of that <laughs> had me. I was like, okay, this is interesting. So he starts to follow this guy's wife under the cover of High Noon. Yeah. In the biggest car in the county. Yeah. And not being even remotely... Like he has a hat. Stealthy. He has a hat. He has a gigantic white. Uh, was it a, a DeSoto? Mm. It was a DeSoto, right? Mm. I, think so. I thought it was. Mm. It's basically a double sofa on wheels. Which, let's be fair, in '58, every car was yeah. a double yeah. sofa on wheels. Right. But he wasn't being even remotely subtle about anything. He's just following and just staring at her. And did he blink at all? I, I don't think Jimmy Stewart has the possibility of blinking. I saw yes. an animated in GIF, general, and yeah. it was just his face, and it was still. Yeah. He was oh. not blinking in it. I don't think Jimmy... Like, all the movies I've seen with Jimmy Stewart in it, I don't think he blinks. Oh, come on, Jimmy. At Drop. all. Like, blinking shows you're human. At least yes. pretend. Uh, it, Maybe he's a god, an acting yeah, god, and you don't just, need that. That's just playing on my fantasy casting. See, or yeah. he's... Uh, in highly local information, uh, podcast-wise, or he's Rob Levine, you know, from those commercials. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Watch my those God. Commercials, he doesn't blink. Not <laughs> Once I'm watching, I'm, not kidding. I'm, he just, hired, I'm he distracted hired by Lupus to sing a jingle. Yeah, that's, that's my joke. One eight hundred law, one two two. Damn it. Yes. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm distracted when he has lightning bolts or, or dog Lucky in the commercials. <laughs> a heavy hitter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's effective. That's a high, highly local podcasting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, the the only thing I gotta say. Oh, oh go ahead. Oh, uh, she goes to places like yeah. the museum where, um, but first she buys some flowers. Is it, I, maybe he's getting away with not being noticed, or maybe he, we can assume before we know what's really going on because she's in some kind of state where she's like a, she's in a trance. She'll just. She goes to visit Carlotta's gravestone, which is dated 19th century. Well, I mean, he's practically up her butt. Yeah. It's just like, this, this is like, the, it's by the grace of God you have not been caught yet. Yes, yes, that. <laughs> I don't know if you have any uh, excuse for I'm that. I'm just enjoying your comments. So I'm like, just going to let you roll with it. It's like, this is, be, this is before I know what's actually going on and why he hasn't been caught yet, but I'm watching the whole thing. It's like, you are suspicious AF, dude. Yes. Stop yeah. this. And then I was starting to wonder, when did. When did people stop wearing hats? Yeah. I, I know it was the 60s, but... Yeah, I... We gotta talk about Midge. 
Yeah. yeah. Who is Midge? I know. What is she to What is she to Jimmy Stewart's character? They were engaged once. And okay. They went to college together, but okay. she looks See, a lot younger. Are they roommates? No. They were. <laughs> all right. Let me explain. Uh. So they were engaged uh, back in their college days. Okay. Uh, was he a late college three student? Three weeks. Good point because he looks older. The, 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 the amazing thing about this is uh, Stewart's character is intended to be younger. Perceived visually, but at the Not time, at the time of filming, he was forty nine years old. Yeah, Midge was uh, in her mid twenties. You had Novak in her mid twenties. Yeah, so he was the old dude. And even after the film was released, his was Hitchcock went as far to say he regretted even casting Stewart in the movie because Aww. he felt the audience couldn't connect with the film because of Stewart being so old, trying to play a pseudo younger version yeah. of himself when. He was an older dude. I mean, not like super old by any means, but a 49, 50-year-old silver fox-looking dude, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. If he's supposed to be just fairly recently out of college. No like, way. Within yeah. like that, that 10 years be, or so. That was massive no. beast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I figured. Just like, yeah. I'm 10 years out of college. I'll tell you right now, I don't yeah. look I don't look like I'm in my 20s. So. Yeah. Oh, that was a poor thing. idea. Yeah. Very what up, fellow kids? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just figured maybe he was one like of those to, late students. Would you like to smoke some drugs? Would you want to smoke drugs and go see a puka? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the, the back with the restaurant just for a second. I just got a story with that. Like, there was a restaurant I ate the I ate at the first time I went to New York, and it was called Cherry. And I had a flashback with it. It was a steak restaurant. Okay. And, you know, they said, okay. And, you know, for me personally, I'm like, okay, medium, medium well is fine for me. Mm -hmm. You know, but I don't really care either way, whatever, as long as it's not well done. They put the steaks down, and the place was so red, and the lights were red, too. Yeah. I have no idea how they cooked anybody's steak. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I looked at it. I'm just thinking of that moment, which I haven't thought about in maybe even 12 years, and I just remember poking at it and just thinking like it's gonna like moo at me and if it did no one would care yeah. see joss, yeah, joss would be okay with that like yeah she, it, it, she likes the possibility of her steak actually like kicking her as she's eating it well yeah i don't i don't really mind either way like anyway i really don't care as long as it's not a rock yeah you know but, but it's, anyway yeah. my wife's also a carnivore so yeah there's that yeah yeah, true. The thing about Hitchcock is, like I was saying earlier... Is that going to be a catchphrase? The thing about Hitchcock. The thing about Hitchcock, you guys... It should be this a t-shirt. Well, has well, cock well. in it, and that makes me laugh. It's like, that should be a t-shirt. No, the thing about Hitchcock, especially in this uh, film, there was a lot of visual cues throughout the entire movie. Um, Hitchcock green. did uh, focus right on color green. That was her color. Red, blue... Gray, and there was also several sequences where he brightened the scene up, and he really went dark on the scene. Mm -hmm. These were visual cues for us guys, so we could pick up on the story plot. The reason uh, we're in that the Ernie's restaurant, which is where you see the the red walls. Yeah. The intention of the color red in this film always meant warning. No. Stop. There's we'll shit see, we'll, going on here, guys. Well, yeah, Why is your dress that, go go green? I assume like, green I, was uh, Madeline's favorite color. It was also Judy's favorite color. It, that was another visual cue for us to go. Wait a minute, Madeline wore green. She yeah. had a green car. Judy likes the color green. She's got the green somewhere between the green mm. shirt dress and the and the ring with the attire. green light so in it. Say that's why her hair was red. She changed her hair, her hair color because she had to become red. a different person. She yeah. was a brunette. 
That was Bru- yeah, that was and brunette. Judy, she was a brunette. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. So yeah, we yeah. there was all like there was all great significance to the thing when we see uh, Stuart at the restaurant wearing a blue suit. That blue suit represented guilt because if you watch the a opening few blue suits. scene, yeah, because if you watch the opening scene when he was on on the uh, roof on the roof, you, yeah. what color was that scene, guys? Blue. So the blue suits always represented his emotional uh, feeling at that moment. So if he was wearing blue, that represented guilt. And then if he wanted saw the color red, it Judy was to wear blue later. Yes. Although well, it was to, to match. Wear that gray suit. It was a gray suit and a black. He dress. mentioned blue at some point, though. Yeah. But um, yeah. The gray. It was the gray suit was significant to Madeline. The black dress was significant to Madeline. Uh, at one point in the film, after he actually rescues Madeline, he he starts. He wears an actual green sweater. Yeah. As if to say, hey, I'm on your team. This is your like color. Like me, damn it. They, so these yeah. are all like things happening in the film. When when there's something severely grave, like uh, when he's in uh, Agashi's or Agosi's uh, bookshop. Agosi. The last quarter of uh, that speech where the uh, the bookkeeper's talking to them, you watch the the scene gets very dark. That's a visual cue for us to go. This is morbid. This is something very bad. And he wants us to really focus in on what's being said because of the wavering uh, color in the frame at that moment. So when we first meet Madeline in the restaurant, we uh, get a, uh, a, a very close-up shot of her, like, looking uh, from paint, like, straight right up, side. Straight up, like, Hitchcock-esque profile yes. kind yeah. of thing. Thank like, you, yeah. But all of a sudden, you'll see, like, the hue of her face gets red. So now her skin tone is like looking red, almost in vein of the wall, I, like that color. I that thought that was just red. color bleed because the walls were very red. No, that was significant. So we can go, warning, this bitch has got some serious shit going on. <laughs> and it's like, if we don't pick up on it, it's fine. I mean, this is a film you can watch oh. it, like, and walk away going, I saw the movie, this figure, it was good or bad, whatever. To help her but pop if you really take the green. time to look into this, guys, I'm not even joking, it's like... Hitchcock really put a lot of thought into the film because based on the book that he got it from, which was like a French book called yeah. Translated the Living and the Dead, it's like a really I thought it was Enter the, li- Enter the Dead. Yeah, it was like... Le- Enter the Dragon? <laughs> Entree de Mort? Yeah, I was trying to remember it in my head, but I can't de- remember. De I'm not French, so I can't remember it. It was... Uh, De Entre yeah. Les Mortes. Les Mortes. I'm sorry, I'm butchering the Les Mortes, yeah. Sorry. I assume. So it could be either translated among among the dead or the living and the dead. So do you think, like, towards the end of it, where she's picking out the suits and he wants the gray suit for her? He's dressing her up. Yeah, but she she wanted that one suit that was blue. I thought she wanted a green one. There was oh, a no, suit, wait, there was blue, a yeah. gray suit that she yeah. had wanted uh, before. Uh, yeah. She she already up to that point yeah. as Judy knew that he wanted Madeline back very yeah. very badly because yeah. he was so broken up. That's why it was a year in that mental home or mental um, what do you call it outpost whatever you want to call asylum? it asylum asylum yeah uh, just grieving over this girl because when I don't I don't want to like I'm sorry I'm jumping all over but no 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 but when uh, Madeline in that scene has jumped from the bell tower which by the way was painted in it's not even real because that building I could was tell a, it was a mess oh, yeah. that Spanish mission the, the tower was there years prior but it had crumbled and broken and had not been replaced by uh, that particular uh, site uh, 
he does not actually view the body. We see him just like briefly see the body fall. He turns around, walks down the staircase, leaves. He doesn't actually physically walk over it and identify that body. He has no idea. He knows that she did fall, but that's it. You have all these people that come after the fact. And so when he's with the uh, the coroner having that, what is it, that... that, uh, that I guess it's like court. an inquest or something, because yeah, so that's not really a full-on courtroom. It was a strange... Yeah. Yeah, it was whatever a bunch that was. of folding chairs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's there, he's quiet the whole time, and they're just relaying all the information, and everything the, the guy talking, I don't know his name, he, he was saying was... The dickish lawyer? Yeah, good way yeah. of putting it, yeah. Um, you did nothing, guy. He, he, he says, he acknowledges, yeah, you did save her once you jumped into the bay. But you didn't stop her from jumping off the building. He goes, but so at the same time, in the same fault. breath, right? He's saying, no, that's okay because it's not your fault. So he can walk away. It's uh, not your fault, Scotty. It's well, not your uh, fault. character. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay because his job was to be a detective and <laughs> keep up with the day. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, what was I getting at? So, so we, he never actually has that. Um, that opportunity to um, <laughs> grieve over, he, he can just reflect on the the event of it happening, but he he doesn't have closure. That's the word. Sorry, so he, he doesn't just, have he just closure. Kind of, doesn't he have a nightmare about it? He well, does. Yeah, yeah, he just kind of breaks, is what yes. he does. That nightmare is amazing too, by the way, because all the, the colors and the shit that goes too. on, it's so uh, that's incredible. Is the it? opening sequence was the first. Uh, uh, computer generated uh, animated opening. What? It was yeah. by Saul Bass, and yeah. it was like a, it I was, knew uh, was something revolutionary Bassy for its about time, it. Revolutionary, mm. Whatever you want to call it. So yeah. it was in, that was an incredible opening sequence for its time. So I was I was watching the movie by myself yesterday, and Joss got home uh, right around the time of that trippy ass dream sequence. Oh, so she came flower in. Flower petals. And so heck? she came in. She sat down. She's like, you know, just watching the movie with me, and I'm like, I gave her the play by play. It's like it's a lot of driving, and then some walking and more driving, and then that happened. The the. Technicolor nightmare, nightmare of just Jesus, and she's like, I'm like "Okay, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go make food now." I'm like, "Yeah, you do that." I'm confused. I was just hoping it wouldn't turn into fucking 2001 Space Odyssey because I hate that movie and that had a weird psychedelic sequence oh my at God, the end. It's full of stars. It just went on and on and on. But no, no, this this one is this is perfectly fine. I like the fall too, and it made me want to like it had a flashback to I think you know the first month the four of us started doing this was when we did the. Um, uh, we did the Mel Brooks month. Yeah, uh, I yeah. came in on uh, oh, yeah. Frankenstein. Oh yeah, almost two years ago. Hot day. Now, um, and you know, we had the, it was good. I mean, it was really, really good. But one of the movies on the short list was High Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was Mel Brooks parody of this movie. You know, I think I'd probably enjoy that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking, that came out in '77, I think. Yeah. yeah. See, now now that I'm thinking about it with what Bob has said. I'm willing to give this movie more of the benefit of the doubt, but my initial kind of thing was like I, originally I was going to do a five second review that was that just you know consisted of me going, but I've decided not to, even though I just kind of did. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was less, less than five minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, but. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I'd have to watch it again, give it a give it a another fair swing. But I don't know. It just it didn't grab me at first. I think most movies people are trying to figure out what goes around the first time around, and then yeah. once you see it again, 
it's easier to put together all the pieces to be like, that's, True. that's yeah. what, how it fits. True. If, should I give a rundown? Oh, we're just going to take a quick moment. Oh. We're going to do the ad space. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Movie Theater Time Machine is a part of the 4041 Media Group with podcasts like Psych Your Crime and Free Your Geek, which you can check out at 4041media.com. That's all squished together in one word, and the numbers are written as numbers. Now it's time to tell us what you think. If you got an opinion or wanted to know what's coming up next, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Movie Theater Time Machine. Now our podcast will always be free. Free? To subscribe and share. But if you'd like to help us build a bigger, better podcast, not to mention our confidence, you can find merchandise designed by me, Kaz, at Zazzle. Or check out the Kaz Foxen's Animal Shop at Zazzle for cute animal gifts and pet supplies. Now lastly, we have our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mttm. As we said, it's always free to subscribe and share. However, anything you can donate would certainly be appreciated. Thanks so much and back to the show. And we're back! We never left! (laughs) And we're back, still sitting in the same spots we were in before. But everyone stopped moving. Because that's just what happens. Hold your breath, guys. (laughs) Holy crap! I can't breathe. <laughs> oh man! You're gonna do a rundown. Oh, I just figured sum up some of the things that were yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, okay, so he follows her a while because she seems to be obsessed with this Carlotta person from the nineteenth. 19- Carlotta Valdez. Yes, yes. The famous Spanish painting that she stands. Like she at. does her hair. Like yes. The, she sits there and stares at a giant portrait of her mm-hmm. and. and I- I I I, fe- I felt the need to point out during the scene when he's tailing her through the cemetery when she's going and staring at the grave of Carlotta Valdez. Valdez. I can't remember. I could never remember the last Carlotta Valdez. It's like one. If she's supposed to be descended from Carlotta Valdez, she is the whitest Mexican I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's or, or if she's Spanish, but still, she doesn't look Spanish. Yeah. Not even remotely. Yeah. And during that whole scene when he's tailing her through the the uh, the gardens and like the cemetery, did you notice the highly unnecessary green screen at certain points? Oh yeah. There were scenes where he. Oh, was that lovely? Yeah. He. There's I thought there was like Vaseline on the lens. No, no, no. It, it's it's straight. I guess I don't. I don't know if it's just because of the HD TV or whatever. But there there scenes that must have been filmed later, like they didn't have enough to fill in that scene. Realistically, they could have cut out about four and a half minutes of it, but yeah, they didn't have enough to fill long. in that scene. So they added in different scenes of him sneaking around, and it is very clearly him in front of a, like a green screen or a blue screen. Like you, you can he has that almost cartoon outline around him. <laughs> oh yeah, at certain points. Yeah. yeah, I mean the sequences where you see uh, Madeline and him embrace each other when they're on the uh, the beach uh, by the end of the first hour. Yep. Was that, that Wave that was Crash? Green screen. I feel like I've seen Wave Crash like that as, yeah, as that parody. Was, green uh, was, was that the first well, movie to do that or was that just a... No. Or am no. I thinking of From Here to Eternity? You are. Oh, okay, yeah, you never are. mind. <laughs> the, um, but, every time I hear... Uh, can you just say her name one more time? Carlota Valdez. I just want to hear... <laughs> flip, I want to hear... John ba- uh, John Baptiste and Stay Human do flamingo guitars. <laughs> here, it just it just it just it makes sense. They're just like um, for those who are fans of Stephen Colbert when he used to do Natalia. Uh, Natalia, uh, best on the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. We used to do that. I just I can just picture Stephen Colbert saying it every time that's being said. It's from the sky. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I like it now. The squad. <laughs> but she's uh, Madeline is so obsessed. She's staring at this painting. She buys the same flowers as the portrait of Carlotta's holding, mm-hmm. and she even does her hair the same way. And she even stays in a hotel where. I guess that was built for Carlotta. The first one was the McKittrick, and the second one was the uh, Empire Hotel. And then that hotel actually changed its name to the uh, Vertigo Hotel. Ah, cool. Yes. Neat. For the film. <laughs> and yeah. then she ends up, I think he does this for a couple of days, and she does the same thing. Yeah, it's over the span of like at least a few days that it's all going on. And he falls so madly in love with her during yeah, this time. The thing I love about it is he's... <laughs> He's like the worst detective at this point in his career because... Because he quit. Because He's not really a detective. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin uh, Elster set him up from the start with uh, the yeah. whole Madeline plot. I mean, they had him hook, line, and sinker because the moment he walked into that, his uh, shipyard uh, business office, which was like freaking gorgeous, by the way. Yeah. The, the furniture, like, it was like just an immaculately looking office. It looked I mean, like something out of a Bond flick, yeah, to be honest that, with you. that's fair. Actually, I, I, and Gavin himself, I thought he was like M or Q, one of the dudes in the, a Bond film. He had that look of it, but I don't, yep. I don't believe he was, actually. So. But he had uh, the look, though, that you knew something was skeevy. It's like, yeah. yeah, he seems slimy, but... Is it his I mustache? Mean, it, thank you. Yeah, yeah. He had that slimy... He looked like an evil Walt Disney. Uh, Evil Walt Walt Disney. I hear, was it his mustache? And I'm like, I'm grabbing at mine. Like, oh, wait, no, mine's not pencil thin. We're okay. (laughs) We shed a pencil thin mustache. No, well, then you'll be suspicious. No, but when. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) You tripped my Jimmy Buffett switch. (laughs) No. I I didn't know everyone has those. Come on, Dave. Go back to the movie, though. But when when he, he was in the office. Uh, he had uh, Scotty played because one, he was already friends with him from the war, so he had right. an idea. Then uh, Scotty reveals to him about his uh, acrophobia, so that means he now he's aware that he can't actually run upstairs or anything, which sets up the 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 plot where obviously uh, Madeline gets thrown off the um, that, the roof of the uh, the tower. Uh, so he's clearly not going to run up there. So he has like little key points about her. And then, I mean, he then he's like Look. telling like uh, over the course of the the first act or the she first hour of the, the film, San Francisco Bay thing. In that too, yeah, where uh, she falls into the. He, he follows her and she appears to jump, and that's when he takes her back to his apartment. Yes, and I don't and, know if he yeah. undressed her. I guess well, he, to he, did he had to. Yeah. <laughs> he had to. Just like so weird. Oh yeah. Talk to her. Got to know her, and yeah. at some point later on, got to know her, and you can just see in the back of his head, he's like, "I saw your boobies." <laughs> It's pretty hot. But supposedly she has, like, insanity in the family. And well, don't worry. I'm not undressing you with my eyes. <laughs> I did it with my hands instead. <laughs> oh, so noble. No, Harvey hands did that. Oh! <laughs> maybe, maybe Carlotta is Harvey. Wait, get the... Um, She's the female bunny. Does anyone else actually interact with her in the movie? No. With Holy shit! Yeah, fucking mind blow. <laughs> I mean, she's you know, seen by the hotel that. lady, but uh, but the whole hotel lady doesn't even acknowledge seeing her when we yeah. see her in that one particular well, scene. Like, oh god! Yeah, and what does she do? Jump out the fucking window? So yeah. for a while, you're wondering: Is he going 
go crazy? Is she huh. crazy? He, is he, she he's real? He's a terrible detective, guys. He's terrible at his job because he couldn't keep up with her. Because well, the there were a lot of green cars. There was a lot of... Apparently, I mean, at gosh, some point. He, it's, just, it's, it's just terrible. And he's such a... Uh, a renaissance man with his uh, affection for this damn woman he just wants to fall madly in love with her when he could have Midge Midge who designs bras yes and paints okay yeah and yeah alright is that he's always hanging out with her based on a Howard Hughes story is that like his Howard Hughes you're good okay is that her apartment and they're just hanging out because they're good friends do they work together or something they is can't work she together. nursing him after the after I the feel rooftop my thing? I feel like they're just very good uh, close friends, even though they broke off their engagement. Well, she broke three, it off. The three week engagement back in college, so they clearly right. have a good uh, but she, thing. But she supports him. She, Maybe, and well, she's a very pivotal character, but except yeah. the end when we go, what the hell happened? Where'd, to, uh, she just, where'd you go, man? She just <laughs> fled the movie. She's just gone. Yeah. Yeah, so. That's yeah. A, yeah. And I'm that's sorry. That's a good question, too. In the, it's like sorry. Roger and Goodberger out the, out the passenger side and gone. Yeah. And, and he left the movie. We don't see him again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's just. Okay. Maybe I'm, may, maybe I'm biased because. You know, Joss and I, we knew each other in high school, and yeah. years later, we ended up becoming an item, and now we're married. Maybe, I, maybe I'm biased, but he would have been so better, so much better off with Midge, and she's clearly know, right? one okay with his bullshit. Yeah, and two, she's all about him. Yeah, yeah. It's like she visits him in the, in the in the home. Uh huh. Cares for him, you know, getting chairs in the beginning. Yeah, you're if right. If this was yeah. the rom com, he would end up with Midge, rightfully yeah. so at the end. Have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's not if a rom com. knew what was good for him, but no, we're not going to do oh, that. Oh, God, what if it was when Harry met Sally? <laughs> <laughs> I'll have what she's having. <laughs> oh, God. When Scotty met R- Midge, doesn't have much of a ring to it. Well, Scotty, whose real name is John, for reasons. Johnny, Johnny, that's a strong name. Is Scotty, Scotty, Scotty. Ferguson's a strong name. Is it though? That's Clarissa's little brother. I know, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when it, when it was the mid nineties, and it was funny, early nineties, when it was funny, when the nerd lived in the library. Yeah. Yeah. Or literally, I don't know. That's not true. But, in the um, mid-90s when it wasn't cool to be a nerd, and now it is cool to be a nerd, and I feel weird because that was my turf, damn it. Yeah, right. But yeah. no, he's got to he's gotta be all obsessed with Madeline, and uh, they make out, and um, I don't remember why she takes him to the bell tower. I mean, I know why, but... What her excuse because is? Because Carlota Valdez. Oh, she's trying. She's trying to go to the yeah, scene of her nightmares. Yeah. yeah, this is where I must die. And then there's like a ceramic horse. Or because something. Uh, Carlotta yeah. had killed herself at age 26 because she yeah. was the and affair of some rich guy and 26, like yeah. highly dramatic 26 year old. Yes. Uh, so, I know that type. <laughs> the sad part is like. Again, like, uh, Scotty is such a terrible detective because you have, going back to Midge, she was making fun of him because she she actually makes a, shows him a painting saying, oh, look at this painting I did, Scotty. And she turns it, and it's like of Carlota. And it's with her face. And it's so freaking funny. She's literally like looking at him like, do you get it? 
do you get it? And he's, he's like, like, no, oh, no, I, no, I, I that's not okay. Let's cancel that damn I didn't exactly blame him because for all for what he believed, Madeline had tried to kill herself over this stuff. It's not Midge's fault she didn't know. Well, that, but. Well, that was one of those things subconsciously where they were, that, uh, Gavin was really trying to pull uh, him closer to <clears> her. <throat> so there was like a lot of these really subtle cues just for him just to make him become more either possessed or obsessed or whatever word you want to, like as close as he can possibly be with her. The problem is though with uh, Madeline slash Judy is that ultimately she really starts to fall for him because she yeah. sees what a good guy he is trying to look out for and has a heart for her and clearly loves her and probably go marry her if he could. I think he even said it at one point. Uh, and then by the end, when you they revisit the bell tower and Judy's up there, she's like literally telling them everything. She's like, I want to be with you. No, like you've... Like she's really saying, like I've, you've compelled me. You really did something to me. Right. Like, he's so she like also, obsessed. She also waited too long to head. come clean. So it was no terribly she, executed in so yeah, many ways. Because no yes. matter what she says at that point, it's going to come off as her just trying yes, to save her own neck. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So it was poorly executed, and then. You know, thank God for nuns, you know, guys? Seriously, just thank God for nuns showing up at the right moment for, you know, my God. life. So. Okay, and then, okay, I looked away from the screen for like half a second. Did did Scotty throw her, or did she jump at that she, moment? I think she was, was startled. She got startled, and okay. she uh, backed up, and backed up too far. Ah, okay. But and we should go back to talking okay. about the first time right. where I she don't remember what in that San was. Bay. Yes. No, no, oh, not the bay, the, the, the bell tower. The tower, yeah. The bell tower, okay, yeah. So I was like, wow, uh, so Hitchcock likes to kill off a major character in the middle of it. All yeah. right. This, this is taking an unexpected turn. Wait for Psycho. Oh, boy. That's yeah, a, exactly. That's a better that's, one. That's Ooh. what I was mm. thinking of. Yeah. So. But uh, yep. I don't know what, what I had to say about, yeah. about that other than, okay, the police come and it's basically like, I think he's having flashbacks to the police officer and that's when he ends up in an asylum for about a year. Midge is talking to him like, maybe well, after, yeah, Ozart but, will help. Yeah, well, I mean, after the um, they finish their, their pseudo trial, whatever you want to call it. Oh, yeah, their thing. inquest. I still don't even know what yeah, inquest. Uh, you have Gavin approach him and say, you know, is there anything I can do for you? I'm and taking he, off to Europe. He, yeah. Exactly. And Scotty's like solemn as shit because he's like, you know, this whole event happened on his watch. He blew it. He knows he blew it. And yeah. he's sitting there just taking and all this crap from lawyer rubbing everybody. it in. Yeah. And then Gavin's like, well, you know, I'll just have to close up all of her, you know, business and uh, finish my own and I'll go off to Europe. And which is great because what nobody realizes, he gets away scot-free. In the oh, end. Right. He gets They're away. Literally, nothing, yeah. free. nothing happens <laughs> oh. to him whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah. You, you don't, I mean, in what was going to originally, I think, intended, the studio wanted a scene. They said it was unused, but apparently, from what I read, Hitchcock didn't even film it. They wanted to have uh, one of the final sequences where Midge was listening to a radio. Again, Midge would have come back, which would have been great yeah. closure for her story. And they wanted to have uh, her listening to the radio and hear that uh, Gavin got caught in Europe, so at least that would have brought closure to his story, because otherwise it's like, well, he got away, no problem. Right. He's still going around, having a good time. Yeah, he OJ'd it. Yeah. Wasn't there, like, a big thing, like, back in, like, the 50s and 60s? Like, I know with comic books there was this whole, (laughs) like, the Hayes Comics Code was you couldn't show somebody, like, actually 
benefiting or profiting from crime. Like, wasn't there some kind of similar idea for movies, at least? I don't know. There... Like it was expected to be, at least? Because I know we didn't have, like, the GPG... We didn't have a rating yet, but it well there was, but it wasn't the same. Okay. You know that was that was. Was there like a board of review or something? Yeah, there there was there the NPAA was was around. You know, it was was still there. When they came around, that's the thing. I don't know when they actually started. Yeah, it was more towards there, but there was a there was a review board of Hollywood because at that time you had. uh, I believe at that time you had Reagan was the head of the Hollywood Union. Okay. Yeah, uh, you know, but I just, he, in the fifties, yeah, okay. yeah. At, at that point, I mean, I he, keep thinking eighties. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's all right. That's no, all right. I mean, he he had there, so there was a lot of you know try to conserve and you know try to be more friendly, but you know, obviously, movies like this got out that were okay. not as I, th- I think. Also, people were kind of ready for it because. At that time, you also had you, you had uh, the second longest stretch of peace. Yeah, you know, for for between U.S. wars. So I mean, Korea was long was five years gone, and you know the uh, Vietnam didn't didn't start up just yet. So people could see this and you know have a little bit of thrill because the rest of it was kind of dull. Yeah, it looks yeah. like the Motion Picture Association of America started back in the uh, early 20s. Mm. But, you know, from my understanding, like it really actual, didn't kick in, and, like, the significance of it until, like, the Bond movies. Where, yeah, like, the, the that, letter. That's when so that it really yeah. became more significant. Like, yeah. I mean, those films back then were actually rated PG. Right. So kids could go with your parents and see, like, yeah. a half-nude woman in bed, you know. Still clothed up to an extent, but still, yeah, seventies PG was different. different. Well, yeah. Yeah. in the movie itself, in the Bond movies, anyway, in the movies themselves, they were pretty covered up. It was the beginning sequences when you could definitely tell that these dancers were nude. Yeah, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, Bond month was uh, I forgot. Yeah, Two March. March. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when we had the second movie theater time machine quote. Mm. How we have to listen to you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're the what? only one that can say that. Oh. At, at this particular okay. moment, you, yeah. you're the only one who can say it because Joss is in Boston. So. Uh, <laughs> I, I forgot where we were. Uh, um, we're at Judy now. Well, after he gets out, he yeah. swears he sees the car. He swears he sees her, uh, Madeline everywhere. And then he starts stalking someone who claims to be Judy, but she... I don't know, it's kind of a moment of tell, don't show, where she's writing a letter to him or something. He badgers her into agreeing to a date, and... Mm -hmm. But by barging into her room and insisting, and just being the creepiest motherfucker. Yeah, that she... No, no, I'm I'm Judy from Selena, Kansas. Now I'm thinking of it, too, with the color color situation, how the dress was the same color as the car. Yep, yep. You know, he's still falling, and I'm like, okay, and it was, it was there, there a moment I didn't notice that was Kim Novak. Yeah, I first. wasn't sure either. I didn't either. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at first, and then when they, you know, they go through, I'm like, wait a minute, this is Kim Novak, and then they did that, you know, good shot right in front of the camera, and yeah. then they did the flashback, I'm like, oh, and okay. Then, and then, like, her entire room at the hotel is just bathed in green. Yeah. It's like that episode of Seinfeld, except instead of red, it's uh, green. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Kenny Rogers opened up a chicken stand in the Matrix. <laughs> 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 but 
but she's basically, uh, when he's gone, writing a letter that she ends up crumpling up that basically explains the whole scam that she was just hired to pretend to be Madeline, the, the wife of the guy, because he murdered his actual wife, and they tossed her corpse off the bell tower, and uh, she just kind of hid behind a wall or something. She hid in a corner until all the cops went away. Okay, well, the cops were shit then. You yeah. couldn't find someone hiding in a fucking corner. <laughs> well, the thing was, Madeline, or well, Judy Madeline, up to that point, she was ready to scream her living head off, but Gavin actually had to, like, forcefully grab yeah, her, cover her yeah. mouth and say, yeah. shut up, because <laughs> you're about to blow this whole thing by, expo- you know, even, like, yelling. So. We have no idea how she got involved with him, though. Well, think. she was the mistress to uh, Gavin. Oh, okay. So she was his uh, side chick uh, while he was married, uh, and then clearly like wanted to get rid of, uh, you know, his main wife. His, uh, yeah, so uh, so I'm ma- I was mad at Jimmy for being a cheating bastard when I should have been mad at Gavin for being yeah. a cheating, yeah. murdering bastard. That's the beauty of this film. is like we're so focused on, you know, what Scotty yeah. does wrong, but it's like Gavin is like in the background the whole time going, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha, goodbye. And that's yeah. it. You know, we don't, we don't hear from him anymore. I'm just so. picturing him laughing like Mandark. Like <laughs> 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 Walt Disney gets away with everything, you know. <laughs> but then now he's interested in Judy, and Judy's like, "You only like me because I look like her. Who was Wait, she? Was she like, must be dead." It's like you don't look like her. Put on the suit now. Change your hair color and do this. And and then do he, that. Then now you look her. like her. <laughs> But okay. oh, that's when he notices the necklace. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Like, that was like the biggest see. giveaway. Yes. Yeah. That was a massive, massive like, giveaway. I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts, and I can't believe I'm giving like pointers to potential serial killers here. But uh, don't take sense. trophies. That's how you get caught. Yeah. yeah. You can't take souvenirs with you. It's like for preference. That's how you did it, Judy. I think for preference, don't kill people at all. But yeah. You know, yeah, don't yeah, take. Yeah. I agree with that. Don't take souvenirs either. Yeah, big time. So, but the thing is, like, uh, going back to Scotty. Yes, he was forcing Judy up to that point, but she had it coming. Was giving into it because guilt. Guilt. Yeah. She still liked him. Yeah. Was falling for him, and each of those events was making it more involved. She was getting closer to him, so it was. It was really the whole situation is sad. Yeah, like literally, like it's sad for Scotty because you know he, he acquires acrophobia. Ac- I say again, Acro- acrophobia. Acrophobia. Thank you. Um, you know, because a cop died on his uh, while he was on duty. Um, he ends up losing Madeline. Madeline, sorry, Madeline, as a result of the uh, the fall. He ends up losing Judy because. Because nuns get in the way. Sorry, nuns. You know it happens. No, I'm not sorry for nuns. Yep. So, I mean, so he and he, he loses uh, these significant yeah. people, and then in the process, you got Midge, who's like trying to like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, wake up, Scotty. You're an idiot because she, this shit ain't shit ain't right. And he's like, Wow, I'm so obsessed with this girl. You know, whatever it is. With Meanwhile, him. Midge is like, so. I'm right here. I can openly talk about brassiers. I'm much cooler. <laughs> yes. Come on. <laughs> It's based on cantilever design. Focus up, Jimmy. Focus up. The thing is, because of um, she responds very strongly to uh, Scotty's character. I mean, like when she showed him the picture, she was hoping he was going to respond and go, you know, that's a good one, Midge. That was funny. But he didn't because up to that point, he's so obsessed with her, he ends up like knocking her down so that she's actually predominantly sad like after that point. I mean, because she's been trying to get with him. stupid, stupid. 
Exactly, and like, yeah. That so she really, bra- he really breaks her as a result. Paul McCartney. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's such a sad outcome for all the characters involved, except for Gavin again, who gets well, away. I feel like uh, Scotty, he he's dragging um, Judy up the stairs, making her go up the stairs because he has one last thing. He wants to get rid of the past and uh, conquer his fear, and I think he did conquer his fear. So. He did, yeah, because at one point yeah. he goes, right, he goes, I made it. Yeah. So like, that's kind of good for him. Because right at the uh, beginning yeah. of the film, it's just like, if you have another one of these events again, that would be the only way the doctor told him you'd be able to cure your agoraphobia. Uh, yeah. So now, now that particular shot, every time he does the vertigo thing, where like the whole thing goes, long yeah. Is, yeah. I thought that how was did a, they, uh, how did they do that? Was it like a like a quick shot pulling a camera up a camera? Well, that was the shaft or something. That was actually the first time that that uh, was used in film. That's what they call the contra it. zoom. Which is the concept? You have one camera zooming in, one camera zooming out, and then they just they splice the image together, so you get the. Oh, okay. really? I thought that was a that modern be- technique. Nope, that was so actually was like, out of that film. Neat. That's where it was started, and it showed up in it showed up in more modern films. The one that stuck out that I read, and I was like, oh yeah, true, was uh, Lion King. Yeah, remember when like um, Fossa dies? And yeah, yeah. And it's not a spoiler yeah. anymore. Okay, yeah, and he's yeah. In, yeah, and Simba yeah, freaks Simba out. Goes, the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, basically any like teen like high school movie. As soon as as soon as one particular character gets high, their vision just goes <laughs> and like does that whole effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, that's where it came from. I mean. Yeah, Do you well, know any more historical tidbits? I don't know. Throw throw me more questions. Because I think uh, <laughs> throw more at me, and I can see if I can what I can contact. Hey, we're actually a little bit under an hour. Yeah, okay. I, look at that. I've got really nothing but the fantasy casting on this one. Okay, right. so Reese Witherspoon as uh, Midge. You know, as she yeah. was dressed up in Pleasantville. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call that? And I'm like, ooh. Okay, so that that's mine. Mine, I gotta give this to my client, who um, you know I won't say his name for privacy reasons, but yeah, you, you, dude, mentioned, you mentioned it earlier. Fan of the show, and I appreciate you giving me this uh, tidbit. You have French Stewart in Jimmy Stewart's role. Oh Jesus! Except <laughs> twist it a little bit. It has to be Harry Solomon. <laughs> Give us a scenario of and how the, that would play out. So, like the scene where he's picking up her, he's like, uh, you know, so he, he gets her, he gets the girl on the river, brings her back to the apartment, you know, goes here, he's like, how about we go ahead and sit by the fire? <laughs> okay, good. Would you like some coffee? And he's just like, you imagine like he's sitting and talking to a gnome. Well, there's a gnome that he always talks to at Third oh, Rock. Yeah, but I, or he sit there and do that. He's like, oh, I, and you know, she's like, there. It's like, I don't worry. I just, you know, I'm squinting my eyes, but don't worry. We've done that. <laughs> it helps you, you do know, the impression. Your, your clothes are in the other room, and I had to dry your hair. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just doing the whole thing in my head. We go from Jimmy Stewart, who doesn't blink, to French Stewart, who can't stop blinking. Right. Like, he, he, started, he started the blink and never stopped. But just imagine him driving, and you picture the, the picture like Harry Solomon driving in a giant rambler, <laughs> trying to follow, <laughs> trying to follow, look at everything. Don't be inconspicuous. <laughs> be inconspicuous. Okay, following, just doing my job, what the high commander wants me to do. <laughs> <laughs> I'd run for you. 
Important message from the big giant head. <laughs> oh, that, that'll give him away. <laughs> you think you're one guy person? Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Incoming message from the big giant head. <laughs> At that point, Matt will be like, oh, fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> Um, fa- it's like you're crazier than I am. I'm out. I'm done with this. Okay. Gina, what is stuck to your foot? Where did you find that receipt? What? He's got paper stuck to. It'd yeah. be funny if it was toilet paper. The other like. <laughs> okay, he's house trained, but he's not that house trained. Let's <laughs> try to think of other tidbits from the movie. Uh, things that stuck out. Stewart's uh, character, Scotty. When he's driving, he never actually drives up a hill. He's constantly driving down downhill the entire huh. time. Okay. Either, either, either he's on level reason? ground well, or he's driving down It's San hill. Francisco. And but his well, he's got to go up eventually. Yeah. So clearly Gabby hey, cared, that that cared that much. He's like, well, I'll have Madeline always driving down the hill so that way he doesn't try and go up the hill. So Gavin actually had a little bit of consideration except when Ultimately, he didn't want him to, like, see Madeline get murdered, <laughs> which oh. was, like, the most important part of the film. So so that was quite significant. Uh, what else did I have? Um, oh, there was another one in my head. It stuck out. Oh, Hitchcock loves to always have a cameo in every film he's in. Oh, yeah, I was looking for that. Yeah, I, ne- I never Hitchcock did Hitchcock was the original uh, Stan Lee, like, to yeah, the films. Yeah. He was the original, like, cameo king of that. So yeah. every film. He was he in a restaurant or something? In this one, he actually appears at the very beginning of the film when we, uh, just before we go into the shipyard uh, office, you see him walking outside the building. He's holding a trumpet case in his right hand. <laughs> And, huh, okay. and he just walks by, strolls by like like nothing. That's it. Yeah. So that that's his way of always reminding you like this is my film. This is my film. I licked it. Bitches, I am here. Yeah. This is my film. I can't do it. This is my film, and I nearly killed the actors doing it. I have a good girl power tidbit here. Kim Novak uh, wasn't originally cast in the movie. Um, the, the the lead of I forget her name of the birds not coming to me at the moment. I can't find uh, it. Off the top of my head, um, dead birds. Yeah, she <laughs> was the original. Uh, she was supposed to be the original for the film. The take the Madeline Judy lead, uh, but she couldn't because at the time she was pregnant. So as a result, Novak came in. Novak was uh, uh, under contract with Columbia Pictures. And uh, and ultimately, uh, so she came to that under uh, Columbia, but they made a deal with uh, between her uh, and uh, at the time Paramount with Stewart because they did another film because uh, this was '58. They did uh, years later called uh, Bell was it Bell Book and Candle, which was based on the the main witches or something or other. I actually had rented it some time ago. It was a really good film, but they actually, as a result of her coming into this film to cover for that actress. They had they were able to loan out Stewart to Columbia, so they did like a trade for films, and uh, so they're actually able to go across oh. cross studio film because back in the day, yeah, the actors were actually they were licensed or uh, to each studio. They signed a contract. They had to make X many films based on their contract to which they were paid, and they could only make films under that studio, be it a Paramount, a Universal, Warner right. Brothers, yeah, the studio you know. basically. MGM, Goldberg, and yeah, Goldworth, and yeah. So, uh, in order for them Metro to Metro Modern Goldworth, yeah. yeah. So, or in, Golan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so at the time, that was a big thing for them, even crossing studios. The other cool thing about uh, Novak coming in uh, for the film 
was um, she started filming and she was disgusted with the pay rate and how she was being treated. So she actually refused uh, to show up to set one day, which caused a big problem. And she said she wanted pay up her uh, pay raised to that of her uh, co-stars. And as a result of that, because they couldn't recast her at that point, she got her pay raise and she got her girl power moment. So way to go, female empowerment. That was, huh. was a really cool, uh, a very good thing. So. Because like, it was oh. a start. It was a start anyway. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. That's all I got. I mean, we <laughs> still we I mean, still got that. We still got the wage gap, which shouldn't be. But you know, that's that's the subject of a podcast uh, that is not about movies and it's about right. other deeper po- uh, subjects. So, what about uh, any favorite scenes? Least favorite scenes? That kind of thing. Um. Well, Bob, I'm sure Bob has something to say. Well, you guys want to go first? I'll I'll wait. Go ahead. Well, Scotty losing it at the end and dragging her up the uh, the bell tower at that point, like I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, I enjoyed the second half of this movie more so than I did the first. Yeah, we did um, too. Yeah. yeah. I I think my favorite yeah, was, was really just just picked up the pace. I mean, just seeing uh, it's just coming from my family. Just seeing all the cars. Yeah. When he was driving, those cars were absolutely gorgeous. I was yes. interested in looking yeah. around at the backgrounds to see yeah. what 1958 looked like in color. Yeah. Yeah, and say, you know, San Francisco in general, I mean, everything was just gorgeous there. Uh, I'd say my favorite scene, probably of all, yeah, I would say same with you, Dan, the. Uh, final ending where he's sort of breaking and well, he is breaking well, he's, he's yeah, not sort he's of yeah. Gone, but he's yeah, gone yeah and he's just like taking control of the situation at this point but I'd say probably the absolute best is when he finally like he sees the he sees the necklace yeah and it's like there's the you can see the switch starting to flip in his head yeah and you know, it was just good acting on Jimmy Stewart ding wait a minute hey wait that's bad Gas? What you got, Fox? I don't know. Um, I I liked how she was lit all green and stuff mm-hmm. in during mm-hmm. that was very atmospheric during the uh, when she's at night in the uh, a hotel room as Judy. Oh, which oh, yeah, she, you know, the, the part she's in oh, profile that was a great, too. Yeah, yeah, great one. Yeah, very good call. Very dreamy, like yeah, it was really yeah. good. Uh, for me, but not oh, as dreamy as the actual dream sequence, though. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was just crazy. psychedelic. Yep. <laughs> that <laughs> dream sequence was almost Scooby Doo level. <laughs> yep. Uh, for me, uh, I mean, there, there's two. Uh, my runner-up was the interior scene of Ernie's restaurant. That crimson red, uh, that wall. Oh my God! In the way it, it just—it looked immaculate. I've never seen anything like that. Like, I was blown away. The color was just like. Holy shit! I went, that's amazing. I went and everybody to everybody ther- looked incredible. <laughs> I went to a therapist as a kid. Shock, I know. Uh, and one of the offices in like it was in an, in an, one of the older buildings down on uh, Rock Street here yeah. in Fall River. Mm. And one of the rooms was basically that same like wallpaper. Maybe not quite that vivid, but it was like a blood red kind of thing in this room. And let me tell you, for a therapy session, that's not. Comforting. No. At all. I thought it was more of a scarlet in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Like a nice strawberry kind of. Yeah. I'd agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. But man, it must See, be hard to match decor with that. Yeah, I can imagine. See, the thing we, you have to realize too, this film was restored back in 96. It didn't look nearly as good. 
So oh. what, what you saw was like didn't it get revamped? Re- didn't it get restored like again in 2012? At least that's what my rental said at the end. Like it was special thanks. Well, yeah, to it was released people. on Blu-ray. I mean, the the okay. uh, the print or the source material, the source print that they use for the Blu-ray now was based off of the DVD. So it was just they sort of upconverted it. But if anything, they would have tweaked it to give it the. Um, they probably went back to the original print, uh, which was based on the the re- restoration they did in '96. So for the DVD, you're getting the maximum benefit at the time, and then when it comes to Blu-ray, you're obviously getting 1080p picture, so the definition is uh, based off of a 2K scan, which means it'll be even better, and I'm sure sometime down the road, if not Universal has already done a uh, 4K scan of the film, of the uh, original negative of the film, so that way it'll be even more like bold colored and your eyes are going to like bleed from like the amazing like (laughs) holy shit colors that pop off the screen but for me my favorite scene going back to that was um the exterior shot of when they're right off uh outside of the uh, san francisco uh bridge right just before she's about to jump in the like uh i had her look it up the dude's name is robert burks and he was the cinematographer with uh hitchcock uh, since they started with Warner Brothers Studios back in, I think it was like in the 40s or something. Um, was it back in somewhere around the 40s or whatever? And they started doing a lot of films uh, on the Warner Brothers a lot because he, at the time, uh, Hitchcock was doing, was licensed to Warner Brothers, I guess, at the time. And then once their contract was fulfilled, somewhere around uh, 53, they moved over to Paramount. So Robert Burke, Burks, who was the uh, cinematographer, went with uh, Hitchcock, and he maintained his, um, his uh, work with him until, I guess, Hitchcock either stopped filming or until 68 when he passed away. But that guy did some of the best work. He actually got an Academy Award uh, for To Catch a Thief, which was with... Uh, and saw that. There are people who I can't think was, of. Was... Uh, Is that uh, Cary Grant? Yes, Cary Grant. Cary Grant and... and uh, the girl uh, from Rear Window. Whose name princess, is like, uh, the Princess of Monaco. Yes, that her, yeah. Grace Kelly. Yep, that's it. Thank yeah. You. Yep, so yeah. as a result, he got... So his work is yeah. incredible, and that, that shot was just something yeah. worthy of like... Uh, an art print to put on your wall because yeah. it's just immaculate. Yeah, that that one I, I that one I'd like to give a pass again, like for what you said about earlier about Hitchcock films itself, because that one I think to catch a theme, I think we both kind of like looked at it like, what the hell was that? Yeah. It's a tough. Uh, see, yeah. Again, that's another yeah. film like going back yeah. to what we talked about where yeah. you the first time you watch it, and I felt the same way. I didn't like it. Yeah, I watched it again. I yeah. liked it. I, I don't know. It was I got the story more. I understood the the character's purpose and what the the plot of the film and the depth of whatever went into it. And you know, you, it's great. I mean, and that's the thing with Hitchcock. You always have to you have to be a hundred percent sitting at your chair with either food or whatever in your mouth or not. But your eyeballs <laughs> have to be there. Your brain's gonna be like, okay, I'm ready for a Hitchcock film. What is this shit gonna be now? So and that, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think I went into it with the right mindset, like at yeah. all. So I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't either. I'll flat out admit that. It's it's, it's interesting, and that's one of the beautiful things why we do this too. Yeah. Was, I yeah. want to know which movie had the Statue of Liberty in it because I keep. Get, I thought it was Vertigo, but it's not. Yeah, it's clean on the other side of the country from from. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Isn't there a Hitchcock movie with somebody dangling off the Statue of Liberty? 
I don't. Uh, doesn't ring a bell at the moment, but. I mean, nuts. I, I don't know. Well, I mean, we know you're nuts, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you voluntarily hang out with me, so there's got to be something <laughs> up with you. You're the one hanging out with me. <laughs> we're all crazy to be on this mic. There we go. We're all got a little bit of crazy here. We've been doing this for a while, y'all, so... <laughs> so that's uh, all I've got. Yeah, me too. Me too. I don't have much. I'm just really sitting back, just enjoying watching the back and forth myself, so... <laughs> uh, <clears throat> See, if you were expecting a fist fight between me and Bob, it wasn't going to happen. Uh, no. <laughs> it would have ended in a handshake and a good pat on the back and talk about other yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> knowing the two of you the way I do, would I would have started with, Hey! 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 Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> okay. Hey, cut it out. Stop it. Stop. Stop it. The film was called Saboteur. Oh. I, That's where the sequel I feel like from. I saw it in a museum exhibit, like, a long time ago yeah. when I was Saboteur, a kid. Saboteur, which was 42. It was another Hitchcock. All right, yeah. it was Hitchcock. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ah. Have we ever done... I don't know if you guys want to... I don't know if we should venture to ask. Would you guys consider doing Hitchcock Month? That's yes. what we're doing for, we want to do for October. Oh, great. Good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Go. Which we should it, talk it, about it, tonight. It is isn't aligned, yes. So, um, should we talk about what next month is? Yeah. Animation month. <laughs> and? Animation August. Go for it. Yeah. And we're going to have a transition uh, from Detective Noir month into Animation month. And this was kind of my pick. Uh... I'm pretty sure you figured that kind out by of. now. Kind of. Absolutely was my pick. I've been kind of begging for this movie since I started. Next week's going to be Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which Woo. I think is probably the best bridge we can have between film noir and animation because it's film noir animation <laughs> when you get down to it. I dig it. Yeah. I, I am looking forward to it because I've never seen this and just to have a smorgasbord of my favorite cartoon characters all in one screen, I'm in. Yeah, It is a fun movie and yeah, there is one particular yeah. set piece that uh, we are very familiar with from Back to the Future. The entrance, that's true. The entrance to that tunnel is that's got to be a landmark in LA because I don't know very much about LA. I've never been myself, but that's got to be a landmark because I've seen it in at least like four or five different movies at this point. Okay. Also, one of the movies we will be doing next month is going to tap into my childhood as well. We have Beavis and Butthead do America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And. <laughs> That has a psychedelic dream. <laughs> uh, that, that album was amazing. It was great. I still have it somewhere. Uh, in the other room. The the well, I don't think I don't think it I don't think it survived the fire. But um, like just that whole album was just absolutely great. If there's any scene that symbolizes my childhood is laughing at one piece of wood while nuns run away. <laughs> And hearing Robert Stack aggressively, uh, progressively ask for a deeper cavity search. Go, uh, go deep. I'm not. I'm saying, don't stop till you reach the back of his teeth. Go <laughs> oh, stop. Don't stop until he forgets math. <laughs> and it just gets more and more and more progressively weird. And Chelsea Clinton throws Butthead out a window. <laughs> because of course she does. We will also visit one of the great classics that's the remake is out at the time of recording. 
Disney's The Lion King. Oh, wait, the original. The original. Yes. Okay, that I'm fine with. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. The, the not Seth Rogen is Pumbaa thing. I'm yes. cool with that. Okay. I like Seth yes. Rogen, don't get me wrong, but that he's not Pumbaa. No. No. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we will have a really fun end of summer bash with this, and it is going to be really super fun, folks. So, uh, this is definitely one where I have a lot more to say than I had this week. So, we will have a good old time. Uh, stay tuned to your Catch Your Choice World. A couple of bonus episodes, well, one bonus episode we have of our little side swinging podcast that we come up with every once Ooh. in a while TV Time Machine. So be good, take care of yourself, but don't be too good.